0: Greetings, greenhouse people, and welcome to another episode of Tech on Demand, brought to you by Grower Talks. I'm your host, Bill Calkins, and our goal here is to help you grow your best crop ever by sharing cultural and technical information based on discussions with experts around the globe, although sometimes we'll cover other topics in the horticulture realm like nursery and retail. Believe it or not, this is the sixth time we're joined by Aaron Palmeteer, Senior Technical Service Representative with Bayer Ornamentals. And he's back to wrap up our series with a discussion about cost savings to consider when selecting plant protection products and implementing strategies. Aaron brings extensive experience solving problems and providing pest and disease management recommendations for ornamental producers and landscape professionals. And we're lucky to have him on the podcast. Aaron's a former ornamental specialist at the University of Florida and received his doctorate in plant pathology from Auburn University and his master's and bachelor's degrees in plant and soil science from Southern Illinois University at Carbondale. You'll want to stick around to the end of this podcast to learn about a new resource from Bayer, a Spanish language pest ID guide that promises to be a must-have at all greenhouses. Welcome, I'm Bill Calkin, Senior Editor for Grower Talks and Green Profit, and we are back once again with Aaron Palmitier from Bayer to wrap up our six-part series of podcasts covering a range of topics related to pest and disease control on greenhouse and ornamental crops. In this episode, we're going to attempt, and I'm confident we will, tie a nice bow on this series. We're going to talk about the economic side of things, cost savings in plant production products and strategies. So, Aaron, welcome back to the Tech on Demand podcast brought to you by Grower Talks. Hey, Bill. Great to be here. Cool. So, last time we discussed the the building blocks of a solid pest and disease management program. And in past episodes, we've covered poinsettias from a pest and disease angle, as well as digging into foliar diseases and root stem and crown rots. And that's a lot of information and tons of strategic approaches. But for a lot of growers, the final question is going to be, What's this going to cost me? And and it just occurs to me that I'm not sure that this is the right question. Should they really be considering the cost of not taking action with plant production products?
1: Yeah, that's a that that's a great point, Bill. Um, and and oftentimes the the problem is that the growers do. They get they get stuck with the uh, sticker shock or the cost of uh, of the product itself when really what they need to do is they need to account for the value a product brings and, and not just get stuck on that sticker price and like you're saying if they if they're not using the right products or, or taking the right action uh, it's going to cost them a lot more um, in, in the long run. And, and that's just, uh, I mean, I think there, you know, some growers have, have, have found that out the hard way, um, but it always seems to be the case, you know, if you don't fix a problem early on, it's going to haunt you, and that, that recurring cost could be much more severe than, than the initial expense.
0: Okay, that man. I like the way that you phrase that, that recurring cost, so I think you might have sort of answered my next question, but I'm going to throw it out there anyways, just because it either needs to be restated or, or just clarified. So, And it's just a blunt question. How exactly do growers save money when it comes to pesticides and plant protection?
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to answer this by first stating that to, to make money... You know, it, it takes a quality product. Um, you know, when customers go into the Home Depots, the Lowe's, the Kia's, wh- wherever, uh, you know, the the only people... Um, buying plants that don't look beautiful are, are the plant pathologists, the weird people like myself, because I'm looking for either a, an opportunity to get a nice, nice disease photo, or I want to isolate a pathogen. But, you know, the bottom line is that customers customers uh, are going, uh, they're going on quality. They want what looks just beautiful. What's striking, what's uh, um, you know, has all those desirable attributes. And, and, and so Um, definitely, uh, it, it, it comes down, uh, to quality and to have quality product. It's all about, you know, minimizing damage uh, from pests and diseases.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's not the APL. They're not going in to rescue the shaggy dog. They're going in to buy the most beautiful plant they can get their hands on.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: So sometimes, um, I guess while we're talking about saving money, sometimes I hear about uh, generics when it comes to plant protection products. And I guess from, from your experience, um, probably, you know, your, your past experience as a pathologist, and certainly now that you're taking even a deeper look into plant protection chemicals, is generics a good approach? I mean, it's, it's got to be cheaper, right, when it comes down to, to dollars and cents.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, this is this is really interesting. Um, You know, there's there's a couple things that go on when it comes to plant protection in in ornamental industry. And and for one thing, let me just start out and say that for a grower to use a generic product, that's that's fine. There's there's nothing illegal about that. But I want to just take a step back and talk about. You know the the growers that want to save money and they they go and they end up using a product that's not labeled uh, and that that's where it becomes a legal issue so so I just wanted to clarify um one thing that's important uh, because i you know when i when I was doing work with the university and testing. Uh, products for efficacy or what have you um, I was looking at active ingredients and sometimes the active ingredient may be available in different markets Um, and and then there's a there's a definite difference in in cost to the end user and there's there that's a there's a lot that goes into um, why that is but one thing it has to do with the value of of the ornamental um, commodity but, but so, so having said that, um, there's nothing illegal about using a generic product to save money. Now, one thing I can tell you is that when I came to work for a, for a major manufacturer like Bayer, um, I've learned the ins and outs of what goes into uh, developing and bringing a new product to the market. And it's, it's pretty, um, just, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, the the time, the effort, and the money that goes into product development and bringing new actives uh, to to our industry, and so one thing that happens though is that when when you have the 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 manufacturer that discovered and developed that active. Uh, they know everything about it. They know more about that, that active than anybody. And so, so one thing that they bring, uh, to that product is, is expertise. Um, and then I can speak for bear and that bear will stand behind, uh, a branded product. And so that, that's one thing I think that's, that's really important And that You know, maybe you're paying a little bit more, uh, but, but there's, there's a lot more value that comes, um, with with that with that added expense and then the other thing is you know when it comes to um a generic product i i, I don't know um but i, I have a, a strong suspicion that there's not as much research that goes into uh that that product and, and what i mean by that is, is is if you go and you look at some of the university trial work that's being done throughout the U S or you look at the IR four program and you see some of the, the major manufacturers the you know, bear Syngenta, BASF, uh, Gowan, what happens is you, you see that, um, they're 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 investing um, um, money and resources in, into these trials so that that growers can can gain more information, um, and useful information, so they have a better experience uh, with choosing the right products. Um, And then also um, the other thing of course is the quality of the product. And I'm, I'm, I'll just speak. We've got a, or I say we bear has a, a granular um, uh, pre-emergence herbicide. I'm not going to mention any names, uh, but there's a uh, there's a generic. And I had a grower that came to me and saying, Hey, um, you know, do you see any issue with me using this, this generic formulation? And, and so, first thing we did is we looked at the the bear product versus the generic, and and the the granules, the uniformity of the granules, and just the overall clean, cleanliness of the product. Uh, the appearance of the product was was night and day difference. The generic looked like something that was swept up off of, off of the floor. I mean, it was it was pretty pretty drastic difference. Now, I I, I couldn't say one way or the other uh, in terms of the the performance of the product, but I can just say, you know again, I think that the the quality that goes into into a branded product is is night and day difference. So so you want to be careful. Um, and, and, you know, of course the other thing is it comes to, um, if you have a, a bad experience with a product and you're using a generic, uh, you may have a much harder time, um, getting some, some help or, or, you know, in, in, um, some, you know, a resource, uh that some, you know, whereas like a branded product, like bear, you know, we'll stand behind it and, and, and help the grower, the end user out as, as much as we can.
0: Okay. I don't think I need to do any editorializing on that. You just gave like five extremely solid reasons why, uh, why growers should be a little bit leery of generics or at least, um, or at least know, know, know what they're using. So I really appreciate that. That is extremely good advice. So, Let's just dig a little bit deeper into this topic. So, what should growers consider when they're putting together cost-effective pesticide rotations? Because this episode is all about the economics of it. So, what what, what are these considerations that growers need to keep in mind when they're putting together these rotations?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. The you know the first thing, and and you know this comes down to the foundation of any kind of management. Program And that is, you know, knowing what you're up against. So, you know, guessing wrong is going to cost you money. So if you've got a problem, uh, and you're not sure what it is, you've got symptoms on a plant, get 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 a proper identification. Um, and or you know, and of course, it's always better to make informed decisions um, to learn from your mistakes. But that's the first thing is is knowing what you're up against, and then and then having a, a, a good understanding of of what products work best. Um, you know, I, I it's very important to read the pesticide label. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with seeking out unbiased recommendations, uh, you know, going in and, and, and hearing what what others have to say looking at university trials and, and outcomes. It's really important because um, you again, you want to use the most effective products uh, to be cost effective. It, because if you're putting out stuff that's not working well, it's just going to cost you more money and it's going to re, 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 cause additional problems. And then, of course, another uh, factor is what is safe on, on the plants that you're growing. Sometimes the only way to know this is, is, is you might have to do a trial yourself, you know. Just go ahead and, and treat a few few plants and leave some untreated plants. You want to make sure that the plants are the same age or the same cultivar, same growing conditions, but just look and see, does this product have any adverse effect on my plants? Because again, it's all about quality. You definitely don't want to be putting something on your crop that's gonna that's gonna cause damage. And then, you know, when it comes to I mentioned it's really important to to read the label all the information about applying a pesticide is gonna be on that label. And so some important uh, parts would be like, how long does the treatment last? What are the spray intervals or the application intervals? And and so that's gonna be really important because if you're using something that's got longer residual control, um, then you're, you're reducing the number of applications you have to make, so that's reducing labor costs. And then, of course, you're also reducing the amount of material that's going out. So that's really important. And then, you know, the also, you know, the choice between alternating biologicals and conventional, you know, does your, does your conventional product kill the biological? Um, A lot of times, you know, I, I, for bacterial diseases, you hear about growers using copper, 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 copper. But sometimes uh, copper may not be compatible, some of the heavy metals are not compatible with some of your, your biologicals and um, even some of the, the, uh, the biocontrol products, like some of the, the living uh, um, uh, fungal pathogens, the beneficial ones, and the copper could be having detrimental impact on those. So that's really important. Um, to, to take into account? And then are there possible interactions with, with products in the rotation? So you want to be careful, uh, you know, some, again, some of your, your uh, conventional uh, fungicides or insecticides, maybe they don't play well with, with copper, or the pH gets, gets out of whack. So that's really important to, to take into account what's going on um, with compatibility, not just with biologicals, but within, within the conventionals themselves.
0: Okay. I, that's, uh, there's some really good advice, uh, in, in what you just said, um, guessing wrong will cost you money. I love that. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. I think that that's, uh, <laughs> it's just such a really good point. And then read the label. Maybe that should go on the back of the t-shirt because these are both, uh, sort of truisms in our our industry and uh probably just about any industry but um yeah there's there's so much information on the label especially when you talked about you know what's going to be detrimental to the crop what's going to interact with your bio program um probably can't be overstated pick up the label read it understand it and know know what you're getting into so i know that uh you know Bayer and, and other companies, but um, we're gonna we're gonna stick with Bayer working on approaches to help growers make the absolute best decisions. So let's get uh, specific as we as we sort of wrap up this discussion today. What are some cost-effective solutions that that you guys at Bayer are bringing to market that growers need to be paying attention to and, uh, and trialing and and reading up on?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, it's kind of funny, uh, Bill, because you know my background uh, being in plant pathology. You know, I've always got uh, fungicides, bactericides, nematicides on the brain. Um, but one of the things I, I learned um, when I made that transition, going from from my days in the university to to bear is uh, I learned a a lot about, I should say a lot more about weeds and weed management. And one of the things um, when it comes to managing pest disease, uh, pests including weeds, uh, one of the biggest costs uh is weeds across the board, especially when when you look in the in the nursery situations um it's It's pretty amazing i mean i mean there's there's uh articles out there that talk about you know i think Dr Joe Neal at NC state has has said it's at you know upwards of four thousand dollars an acre uh to to control weeds. Um, in containerized ornamental production, and I've—I mean, I've talked to some growers where uh, the—you w- know—what they're putting into to labor costs for hand pulling weeds is pretty astronomical. I mean, just just unbelievable. So, so one of the things that I learned uh, out of the shoot is is uh, the importance and the cost savings that come into pre-emergence herbicides. Um, I mean, just, it's, it's, it's amazing. And so, so uh, bear has just a remarkable product in, 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 in Um and the active in that is in And it's, it is, um, I don't think anyone can argue with, it's got to be one of the longest, or it is the longest lasting uh, pre-emergence herbicide. Um, and, and one of the nice things of course, is, is the compatibility uh, with many of the ornamental crops that we grow to be able to use either the liquid or the granular formulation. Um, so so Morango definitely uh, comes to mind with cost-effective solutions from there. Now, now, one of the things about Morango is that a grower will look at, at the sticker price, especially somebody that's never used it before, and be like, oh my gosh, this is really expensive. Well, what, what you have to do is you, you have to go into looking at um, the, the cost savings of using that pre-emergence herbicide like morengo. So what happens is <clears throat> all the preparation that goes into to making that application and then the actual application itself uh, you put out that application and, you know, it, it, if you're using the liquid formulation in, in some of the, uh, the areas, w- whether it could be like on the ground cloth on the, the ground or whether it's in the row middles, but the kind of the non-productive production areas, you put that out at a higher rate, uh, you can get, you can get eight months uh, uh, of, of weed control. And, and so when you look at eight months um, that's a huge cost savings when it comes to not having to uh, pay for, for the labor to be out there hand weeding. And so it's it, one thing I encourage growers or end users, customers to, to look at is, is the, the cost um, uh, of the, the, the product uh, per acre for a month of control. So what's, what's that giving you? So, so definitely uh, residual activity is huge when it comes to uh, cost effective solutions. And, and Marengo is a great example um, for that. And one thing I, I will mention is that Paris, uh their website, they have a, a cost and use calculator um, for Marengo. So they invite people to come in and actually look at what they're spending on a pre-emergence uh uh product and compare it to 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 morango and i think it will be pretty eye-opening and again it 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 really comes down to to that that residual activity that it brings and then you know the other thing i guess um you know the the uh uh, bear's newest fungicide uh, broad form, uh, one of the things that co- comes into, I guess, cost-effective uh, control is the fact that you're getting a, a, a pre-mixed formulation. So w- one of the nice things is that some of these uh, fungicides they have more than one active, um, and then they're they're premixed and they're formulated by formulation scientists. So, so everything's really dialed in. Um, takes the guessing out of trying to for a grower to have to have to premix um, in advance, and you know that you're getting the right ratios uh, of chemistry. But but one of the nice things about that uh, that that premix uh, formulation in, in broad form is that you're getting that. You know, very broad spectrum disease control, and you're also minimizing uh, potential for resistance, and so you're getting, uh, I guess, a more sustainable product. Um, and then, you know, I can I can go on and and just give an insecticide example um, with with Altus, and and one of the things that's nice about uh, the active in Altis is that it is it is highly systemic, and so a lot of times when you 're dealing with in systemic insecticides and then you have the capability of of drenching or or using it as a foliar spray um, you know, when you drench with an insecticide, you're going to get long-term, uh, control. So like prime example with altus and, and poinsettias, I know growers that, that are drenching early and they're getting five, six, seven weeks of, of control from some of the piercing sucking insects. And so that all relates to, uh, to, to cost and, and 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 so Altus also has a, a cost and use calculator on the website. Growers can go in and look because I, I will point out that Altus as a drench is is very cost effective, and I encourage uh, growers to go in and take a take a look at that.
0: That's great, and I'll put a link to that uh, the cost and use calculators in the show notes. I think you gave you gave three really good examples. The the fact, you know, Marengo and Altus, both, you know, when you look at the, the cost savings in, in the calculation, whether it's in labor or the, the long lasting nature of the products, it's uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. And then I, I knew you were going to talk about the broad spectrum. Um, broad form is a, is a fantastic example. Uh, you've talked about it in past podcasts, um, just that uh, the fact that it is pre-mixed and covers a, a range of of, uh, of, of problems in, in the greenhouse. I think those are, those are three really clear examples of exactly why um, there are cost-effective solutions and, and to avoid that initial sticker shock and, and think about it a little bit more deeply. So I uh, really appreciate that breakdown. Also uh, appreciate all that, that you and the team at Bayer are doing for the industry. I think, um, you know, you guys are, are, are clearly uh, uh, dedicated to the horticulture industry, and certainly in the division that you work in, and there's a lot of really good things happening. So, what have we missed? I guess we've done three more than three hours of podcast now. We've covered a ton. Do you have any last words before we close out this series and, and let the listeners get to work putting uh, putting some of these strategies in action to produce uh, amazing crops? Anything you want to, you know, the the it's all yeah. yours.
1: <laughs> yeah bill i just you know it's been it's been a pleasure doing these podcasts uh with you and and you know as, as you mentioned i mean there there really are some some very passionate people in this industry and and that's one of the things that, that i was i was really impressed upon when when i joined bear is their ornamental business and and just how again how passionate some of the players are uh, the people involved and 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 you know i think um I, it's just it's so it's so rewarding to to see our industry doing well, especially during um, you know a, a pandemic. And and I hope that uh, we can, can just can continue to to move in a positive direction. And I know that you know Bear has some things coming down the pipeline um, that that I think will will definitely uh, be very useful tools uh, to help growers uh, with with uh, manage you know. Um, disease and insect problems and weed problems down the road.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, and there you have it, Aaron, thank you so much for all your time and all the hard work that you and the Bayer team are putting in. I know that the industry appreciates it. And until next time I'm Bill Calkins with Grover Talks and Green Profit. And on behalf of Aaron Palmitier at Bayer, I want to thank you for listening and wish you guys all the best heading into 2021. Bayer Ornamentals recently released an excellent tool that'll no doubt be quite useful in your greenhouse. It's a user-friendly Spanish language pest ID guide, and I wanted to take a few minutes to talk to Bayer's senior technical service representative Aaron Palmatier about what's covered in the guide and how he sees it being used by greenhouse professionals across the United States. So, Aaron, why don't we start with a quick overview of the Spanish pest ID guide and what growers can expect to find between the covers.
1: All right, Bill. Um, yeah. First of all, the, the new Spanish pest ID guide from Bayer can help cultivate stronger communication in greenhouse and, and nursery operations. Uh, the, the whole idea is for a user friendly guide, it's easy to follow, includes numerous pictures uh, to help Spanish speakers identify pests. Um, and the other thing is we've incorporated, you know, it, it, uh, some information on how to, to best use solutions from bear. So we have some of our fungicide solutions, insecticide solutions, and, and herbicide solutions built into the guide. But it also includes information on what types of personal protection equipment should be worn when making these applications. Um, and one thing I will note also, uh, you mentioned in between the pages, but the guide is actually produced on a, on a really uh, high quality coated paper so that it's, it's gonna be nice for you know for having outside in the elements uh, and it's you know bound together uh, to survive you know wear and tear
0: excellent that's definitely always an issue uh when you're working uh, in a greenhouse environment and that's really cool that it includes all the photos um that folks are going to need to id these pests so i think that that gives the listeners a pretty good overview so one of my questions is why did bayer decide to develop a spanish language pest id guide um because you guys are known for all of your resources so why you know why did you guys decide to uh, launch this uh Spanish uh, language guide to supplement all these resources?
1: Sure, sure. You know, so one, you know, the ability to quickly identify and treat pests is an important part of, you know, of what we do in ornamentals for, for healthy plants. And so it's even easier if you have a guide that speaks the language uh, of some of, you know, some of the, the workers that are in your facility. And so, you know, that's why Bear developed a new ID guide specifically for Spanish-speaking growers and and laborers. And again, this this guide is is not like real advanced. This is this is very you know uh, I I like to say fundamental. Uh, but the, the the key is you know easy to use. And the guide helps bridge communication gaps to ensure everyone knows how to properly identify pests, and then and then of course use our products properly and and, and safely. Um, you know, we want to, at Bear, we want to continue expanding diversity and inclusion and bringing people together. So I think Excellent. the the new Spanish guy does that.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, it is really, uh, like you said, all about communication and bridging those communication gaps. So I think that, uh, that that's a really important point. Um, and the fact that uh, it talks about helping quickly identify, and I know that's one of uh, one of the things you always mention is that that diagnosis and how critical that is. So uh, that, that's great, and this is going to be a really useful resource. Um, if listeners want to order a copy or multiple copies, how how are they going to access this guide?
1: Sure. So it's actually it's going to be available. It's in, in starting. At, it's going to be sometime in you know the beginning of July, and they'll be able to go on to the the bear website. And it's really simple. It's just es dot bear b-a-y-e-r dot us and then if you do forward slash spanish dash test dash identification dash guide that that's a link that will uh, bring you right to a web page uh to to access uh to order the guides and you know go, go ahead
0: I was going to say that's great. And we will actually put a link to that in the show notes so that folks can uh, quickly click on that link. Um, So that would be July 2020 availability. Um, And yeah, so all you need to do is look in the show notes uh, of this podcast and you'll see a a quick link uh, to access this guide. So. I appreciate that, Aaron. I I definitely think growers are going to appreciate the effort that Bayer put into this, and it's going to be a useful resource really for for greenhouses of any uh, shape and size um, that has a a Spanish-speaking workforce. This is going to be a a great tool to have in the toolbox. So I appreciate uh, you letting us all know about that.